Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Body Track Academy podcast. My name is Tara and I'm joined today by Cam. Say hey, Cam. G'day, guys. So we're going to have a chat about uh, strength and conditioning for youth development and uh, what that looks like in Australia at the moment. Before we dive into it, just a few questions for everyone to get to know you, Cam. So first up, your favourite band or song? Favourite band or song? I like the bands The Beautiful Girls. They're yeah. Like an old, like early 2000s band. Very chill vibes. chill vibes. Nice. We've got a song called Lamar that I really like. Yeah. You're um, going to give us a few bars? Absolutely not. Okay. No, <laughs> I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> All right. Moving <laughs> on quickly there. Uh, any hidden talents or party tricks? Um, back in my college days, I was a very good beer pong player. That's my only talent. Yeah. And, and not anymore. You not anymore. You've left that behind. But, yeah, I haven't played in a while, but... <laughs> Alrighty, and uh, are you a cat or a dog person? Dog person. I really want a dog, but I'm in Not an yet. apartment, right. so I want to buy a bigger house purely to get a dog. A dog, yeah. yeah. So that's going to be my next purchase. What type of dog? I really like those short-haired pointer dogs, those, nice. and some would be like Australian Shepherd or something, something like a bigger dog Yeah, would be my ideal pet. Awesome. As long as it's just happy to see me when I get home. Yeah, that's it. That's all I want out of the door. <laughs> that unconditional <laughs> love. That unconditional love, that's it. Uh, well, I feel like that's um, that's told us a lot about you already. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we will jump into it. So, first up, I guess, what is your experience with youth athletes? Why are you interested in it? Um, how did it all get started? So, I, my experience with youth athletes, I've done a couple of different um, roles. I've done a all-girls high school. I've done um, their strength and conditioning programs. Yes. For, I've also done rep football at one of the Queensland Rugby League um, teams in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, I took over took their under-16s development. Yeah. And I've also done the rep netball as well, their strength and conditioning. And I find it really interesting just purely because of it's in Australia, it's a little bit kind of an untouched territory or mm. we haven't really got strength and conditioning coaches in on the youth sides of things. Um, we more so utilise sometimes teachers and um, yes. and sometimes just personal trainers and, and gyms. Um to do it, whereas I think there's a lot more research coming out about youth athletes and how to best get the get the best results, um, and so that's probably where I took a more interest in because it was just kind of uncharted territory when I graduated. So I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, and not really recognised as its own 
population sort of fell into. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And athletes like, in general, or it's that's exactly right. And it's just the myths associated with youth athletes, and and then kind of the misunderstanding um, of what it means to strength train athletes. Um, in like youth athletes is the biggest thing that I'm trying to that I'm really interested in and educating parents and kids that you know it is a good, great thing to do and it's not going to mm. you know lead to any further issues or any of those myths that kind of pop up about it. So yeah, so, so that's a, a big one. Hey, that it's dangerous. Don't lift weights. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So it's the most common thing that we find is. Parents are really skeptical about strength training, mm-hmm. and whether they have a have a good reason to be, whether someone that may not have the the background in like for myself, I've done the masters of strength and conditioning and had a bit of um, like access to training youth um, athletes. Yeah. So sometimes, if someone hasn't got that background in getting in and really pushing maybe kids past their limits or doing some things that maybe not appropriate. Enough, but just in general, parents seem to be a little bit skeptical because there's a myth, you know, that it stunted your growth, yeah, or yeah. that it's um, there's actually no evidence to support that at all. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, it's probably more so the opposite. Mm. Um, but and then yeah, just more so while they're forming, whether they get joint issues and stuff like that, seems to be a bit of a myth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a, that's the biggest thing that we tend to face with getting young athletes into the clinic or into a strength training situation is the parents more so just aren't or don't have that awareness or education of what it actually means. Yeah, and it kind of seems like it's uh, extremes, like all one way or the other. They're either not doing enough physical activity at all or, like you said, they've been there extremes where people have been pushed too hard and fast and overloaded and then there's that uh, fear around, okay, that that's too much. Yeah. And there's not really uh, enough people doing it right. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's, it's a big difference even between the girls and boys of young um, athletes, you know, where parents sometimes are more keen to get their, their 14-year-old guy who plays a bit of basketball or, say, AFL mm. um, to get into strength training. Um, but when they come to really high impact sports for their daughters at 14 and 15, like in netballs and mm. women's AFL and stuff, which need to be strength trained, they're like, mm. oh no, you know, the, the sport will do that for them. It's kind of a different, um, yeah. view as well for females and males. Yeah. Different um, culture around it. Different yeah. culture as well. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I find very interesting. Mm. Any other common, common myths? about strength training for young athletes? No, mainly just the in terms of, like, body development. That's the biggest um, thing. And as as well as with youth athletes, you tend to have exactly what you said, a two-way approach to it. Either kids want to push themselves too hard mm. and they think they can do everything a million miles an hour when they may not have that body control, mm. or kids just don't think they should be in the gym Um they don't think they should, like, are comfortable lifting weights or anything like that. And it's – so you have to pick the situation and then have a really good consult with the parents and the and the child and the, um, just to make sure that what – yeah, they're either not one of two ways and you can either get them to 
tone things back a bit and get them to work on their control or just get them comfortable in a gym situation and be and be happy with working with a strength and conditioning coach. Mm. Um, that's, a, that's a big hurdle as yeah. well. Build that confidence. Yeah. All right, so what age should young athletes get into the gym? Depending on sports and um, training age, in America they tend to start at, depending on a lot of the um, – schools and high school systems over there as well, mm. they tend to start at 11 or 12 okay. um, in, into a strength and conditioning environment. Mm. That's um, a lot younger than what I would have thought yeah. they said. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Um, they've, they've more so found that if we strength train younger, uh, we can actually progress really well up into the higher ages where our you know hormones are allowing us to grow and be quite strong. Mm. Um there's 11 and 12 is when we really want to get that body control in, where we really want to get them being able to be aware in space, um, proprioception, being able to control limbs through full ranges of movement. doesn't necessarily mean we add weight. There are, it's a lot of body weight stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's more so just aimed at just getting the, um, the, youth, the young athlete to be able to know what we're trying to achieve. Getting them to know what rests, what intensities to work at, mm. what movements we want to be good at. Um, and then after that, there's, there's a really good study that was done over in, in the American collegiate system where with consistent strength training from 11 years old, um, the, you're in terms of, they did it in terms of squat performance yeah. um, and sport performance. Um, when they got up to around about that 18 years of age, a lot of their um, students who, have, who had gone through that full system could squat two times their body weight and had a massive reduction of risk of injury. Wow. Um, where, and that's what we, in Australia, we've gone off this two times body weight is the strongest you can be and mm. the, um, the most, like the least risk of injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, at two times body weight. That's sort of the standard you wanted. That's the standard. To. Yeah, that's the standard. Um, however, it's common that we don't start strength training until we're 15 or 16. Yeah, so we're comparing at 18 and going, oh, that, we want to be at that same level, but we're not starting the work earlier yeah, enough. That's it. We're not starting that. the foundations early yeah. enough. So what tends to happen is if we start at 15 or 16, we want to get them up to in two to three years, up to two times body weight, mm. it can happen. But what tends to happen is we find movement pattern kind of discrepancies we have because we've already had our formative years of kind of the neurological control with no strength training. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then when we get into the 15, 16, we then try to overload mm. um, kids sometimes to get that for um, girls 1.4, one point. 8% body weight for males, 1.8 to 2.2% body weight squat. Mm. Um, 2.2 times body weight, sorry. Um, and we try to get there too quickly. So that's when we have those overuse injuries. We suck in tendonitis and, mm. and stuff like that. And it's not because of strength training in itself. It's more so because the prep work done should have been done way earlier. Yeah. In terms of body control and body movement. Yeah. I think that highlights it either well. So either we're, we're starting too late and either, uh, the time it takes to build those fundamental movement patterns, you know, that does take time. So if you haven't done it already, then when you do start loading up, the progressions have to be 
too quick. Yeah. Or the other thing is a common we kind of skip over the fundamental movement patterns and I'm lifting big weights but my form is horrendous. Yeah. And look the requirements of a if we go back to something that I'm familiar with, more of the rugby league side of things, the requirements of a sixteen year old boy mm. to be able to tackle at like when Big force. We get yeah. massive forces yeah. if they're trying to um, tackle someone who's twice their size. Because at 16, you've got, Such kids, disparity oh, you've got kids ranging from, yeah. you know, 40 kilos out to 105 kilos in one team, you know. Yeah. So the need to be able to control and be powerful and strong mm. is so high at those ages, especially when testosterone kicks in. Mm. Um Control doesn't get talked about. No, no. So you don't have that neuromuscular kind of conditioning to Mm. be able to kind of tackle and repetitive loading and repetitive tackling, repetitive forces. Mm. Um, We're kind of just required to do that really fast, especially when that after about fifteen, when our testosterone really starts to kick in, Mm. and we and we have such a big disparity of of sizes, Mm. and we just don't have the prep yet. And that's what I like to do. I like to get people to be able to, yeah. at a younger age, get them to be really strong and and um, controlled. Yeah. And then by the time testosterone hits in, they start to grow muscle and and they tend to be a lot stronger and faster. Yeah. How much of that do you think, like obviously uh, the American schooling system is quite different in terms of sport um, versus here uh, – Am I right in thinking that fundamental movement patterns don't get really addressed much in school PE? Yeah. No one's really fulfilling that role unless you seek outside help? Yeah, and that, and that's it. And it's in schooling systems, some are really great. Some have like um, strength and conditioning coaches. A lot of the private schools yeah. have that, and they, they go through all the movement preparation stuff. A lot of schools don't have that, depending mm. on teachers and their, um, their experience. Yeah. The American school system is a lot different to the Australian school system, especially in that higher school, is because usually by the time you hit high school in America, you're playing one maximum of two sports mm. and all your training, strength training is done through your school. So if you were a young basketball player and um, you train for basketball in your school team, your rep team is your school team. Mm as well and your club team is your school team so you have the one coach overseeing everything and you have the one strength and conditioning coach overseeing everything under the one roof in australia we have if you play basketball you have probably play in a club team you play in a different rep team if you if you get up to those levels you play in a different school team um and you probably also play three other sports that's at the same exactly time. It. Yeah. That's exactly it. And yeah. you play three other sports, which we promote. Like it's a, we, we really like younger athletes to play a lot of sports and get that coordination. That, but yeah. 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 So then that's how, you know, that's three, four, five different coaches. Yeah. 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 So you have all this different input, differing inputs, yeah. um, and just such a massive training load. Like it was such a big volume. So as some of my, Going back to the um, the net, even the netball that I took, the, I had younger ages up to about twenty one. Mm. Um, but even yeah, the football as well. Like you had kids playing rugby union, cricket, rugby league, a bit of basketball. So they were training two to three times a week. They were also asked to be strength trained, 
by their school, by their rep side that, mm. with myself. Um, and yeah, so they were having all this different input, all different coaches. Um, and it's one thing to say, you know, coaches just need to talk to each other, but it's also being in that weight room and monitoring fatigue and load and stuff is a really difficult thing to, yeah. thing to do. So it's to, the American system is more efficient mm. than the Australian system. But, yeah, it's just more so they just exposed to so much more volume and different inputs. Hell of a lot more money and funding in it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got their gyms in America are phenomenal. Even from a young, from their, you know, 11, 12-year-olds, like their early high school, they have phenomenal gym setups. and The dream. The dream. Mm. The dream. So, uh, I guess, young athlete comes to see you and I guess just good to note so you work uh, as an exercise physiologist but also have like you said the masters in strength and conditioning yes so a young athlete comes to see you do you find like what kind of goals are they walking in the door with is it often across multiple sports that they want to excel at is it one that they really want to focus on um, does a kid ever walk in and say I really want to work on my injury prevention or not common. Mm. Well, I think parents are more so bring their child in for injury prevention yep. because they, yep. they may have flagged some, like, oh, you know, my son or daughter runs a little bit different or they keep rolling their ankle or something like that. Yeah. Or they're in the receiving end of, mum, my knee hurts. Yeah, my knee hurts. Why is my knee always hurt? Like yeah. kind of thing. Um, so, if yeah, if a child comes in and based with a bit of, knee pain or just in terms they just don't feel coordinated or they um they're showing some movement patterns stuff the first thing that we always do is just assess their movement yeah um, and that's the biggest thing we can do is is just kind of pick on some mobility some stability and just some movement patterns that we can work on mm. um to start with that, that's our biggest goal when someone walks in the door mm. And maybe reasons as to why they, you know, roll their ankle or reasons as to why they're just not as fast as they think they should be or they, they, they need to be. Okay. Um, and then doing what you said before when we have so many different sports. Like you have a, have a girl at the moment who's a, um, she's a 13-year-old netballer, but she's also a really good gymnast. So to be a good netballer, you need really good tendon stiffness and be really kind of strong and powerful. Yeah. But to be a gymnast, you still need that power, but you need to be really supple and you need to be, have flexibility. So you, they kind of have the opposite requirements. Yeah. So if we, if I just said, oh, we want to improve your netball and we want to, you know, get some squatting landing mechanics and, yeah. and just a lot of the uh, major, you know, compound movements, that might actually affect her ability to be able to move and and do things in her gymnast like gymnastics kind of thing so just having like that kind of analysis of like okay what do you actually play what do you need what do you currently do throughout the week yeah load management yeah load management's huge yeah huge load management especially developing kids like with when they're growing and when they have their tendons are doing funny things and they're yeah, they're getting some you know tendonitis sometimes like especially in the front of the knee and that's commonly with netball and basketball and stuff like that, you need to be able to still give them exercises to get them to improve and not overdo it to a point that they're just, you know, wrecked all the time. Yeah. 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 Really important. Um, any other – so that's a lot of the kind of physical stuff. 
Mm-hmm. What about uh, like motivational or mental challenges, similar to like senior athletes, or is it a bit of a different mindset? It's it's it is quite similar, really. Um, you have the the younger um, athletes who are not confident in the gym, and they don't really want to go in and like lift heavier things, it's especially. An awkward- Body conscious time yeah, as is. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. You know, if they just push straight into a um, a gym environment and say like a just a commercial gym, mm-hmm. it can be really intimidating. And they just start to, either they start to do what they see people on the floor doing, um, which may be a bit above their capacity, mm-hmm. or they just get overwhelmed and it's like, oh, I just don't want to do it. They don't just, enjoy it. They're not going to yeah, keep coming back. That's yeah. it. And they end up spending time on the treadmill, or like or something, something that they're more comfortable with. Mm. Um, or you have so just. The, the mentality of that is that's why we have the, the more supportive clinic and the one-on-one kind of or small group stuff yeah. is really important just to get young people just to be comfortable and just to say, okay, no, not everyone in the gym is looking at me because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, I'm, I've got the support there. And that can be a really good way to just get them comfortable into a gym environment and then push them out into that um, more you know, commercial gym environment. Mm-hmm. Um but then you have the other end of the scale, which is that they are way too motivated and want to lift every gym, every <laughs> um, weight in the gym and have this expectation of just becoming really, really muscly really quick. Yeah. Um, and then that's another challenge in itself because mm-hmm. we need to slow it down and provide heaps of education and give them just different goals. Give them goals of, okay, instead of a strength goal, I want you to be able to hop or control or hold or some kind of movement pattern goal that they need to nail before they, you know, get a weight into their hand and do mm. something like that. So it's a, it's a different approach depending on who comes in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, most kids are really open-minded and, and really want to get better and stronger. So it's it's a pretty easy... Um, they're adaptable. They're, they're very adaptable, yeah. yeah, by the time you get to the older ages. Um, like you're 25 plus, usually they, everyone has a, what they want in mind of a gym yep. and what they want out of it, whether that be, you know, hit training or strength training or whatever it is. But while they're young and they've got a sport related goal, it's a really good thing to, um, just get them in and educate them really. Yeah. Fantastic. And you mentioned, we've touched on, I guess, a few different times throughout the role of parents in this all. And I guess if we're talking about youth athletes, we have to consider and acknowledge that there's, uh, I guess, two, decision makers um in the in the picture how much time um working with a developing athlete do you actually spend um involving the parents it's with with the one-on-one and small group stuff it's every session i want the parents they're watching Mm. i want the parents they're understanding what we're trying to achieve because it's it's just as important to educate the parents as, as it is the kid. And you want to see the parents being involved and saying, oh, yeah, this they're doing this because of this. Yeah. You know, um, in a big team-based environment, it's really tough yeah, to get the parents. Like, you might have a situation where you can get some parents in a meeting before the season and say, you know, this is what we're going to do. And usually by that time, the when we go into the season, the parents are like, yep, yeah, cool, they're just going to go to strength and conditioning. And then mm. we're just just trying to educate the kids enough to so when they go back to their parents, they can kind of say what they've been, they've been doing. Okay. 
um, when we'll overuse injuries and stuff um, or some things pop up, like maybe a match-related injury pops up, that's when we it's common to go, oh, well, we don't do the gym stuff until we get, which is not the best way. Mm. But it's really hard in a, in a gym, like in a big group situation like that. But on the one-on-one basis, it's that's where we, we really want to get parents involved and, yeah. and understanding what we do. Yeah, you want their buy-in. They're the ones that can reinforce it when the, the athlete isn't in front of you. That's it. As well. That's yeah. exactly it. And having them and understand because then they can reinforce what we're doing to their kid as well. You know, they go, yeah, you did really well today. Or, you know, I understand what you're going to work on there. Like, let's work on that at home or something like that. Just to have that other input in and understanding the importance of it mm-hmm. uh, is really, really a good way to go about it. So in, in the initial interview, parents are always involved. Um, and through the whole process, through testing days and stuff, that I want the parents to be there and see the improvements or what we're trying to work on um, because it makes just makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been caught in a situation between what the parents want out of it and what the kids want out of it? Yeah, there's been a, there's been a couple of situations where their parents wanted, will thought their kid maybe should be at a higher, like, or lifting more weights yeah. or doing more higher intensity, you know. Expecting more out of them. Expecting more of, like, a kind of a flog session. Yeah. Being like, the, you know, my kid's not, you know, sweating like he's in the other sessions. And then you have to really go back and be like, we want to get to that. You know, we want to get to that. But we've got, right now, we've got some things that just aren't allowing us to get there. And you mm-hmm. really have to emphasise that we'll get there. But it's just we need to do this first. We need to control this first um, before we can really start to, to progress as, as well. Or the another situation is when I get a young athlete in who is injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might have, you know, presented to me with you know some tendonitis in the knees or something like that, or some chronic like, ankle instability issues. And the parent just wants them to be back into sport. It's like, oh, well, they've got three games coming up this week. We've got to. Yeah. And so. Wave your magic wand and fix them. Yeah, that's it. So it's always talking to parents like, I think that's a good goal to be back and doing this much. But we've also got these goals to hit before we kind of get there. But, yeah, usually it's not too much of an issue. Usually after a chat and we get the parents on board, it's. From there, it's a it's a good way. Smooth sailing. Yeah, smooth sailing. Yeah. All right. Take-home points. What's what's the take-home message that you'd like to get across to everyone about youth athlete development? So take-home points, um, biggest one would probably be that it's safe. Yep. It's definitely safe to do under the right guidance. Um, it's beneficial in terms of in when we start getting um, – all the hormones going, we can grow faster, we can get stronger, um, we don't, we'll be less injury prone. So I would say the take home point was start a little bit earlier. Don't leave it until when the demand is really high to start movement preparation stuff and, and strength and conditioning. That would be my main, my main points. Yeah. Really? Brilliant. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk again soon. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. 
Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.